do them. Hello. Okay, you ready? Welcome back to the Christian Culture. This is Clint. And this is Gordon. Gordon, how are you doing since the last episode we recorded? Not bad. Um, like kind of usual. It's, it was only a few minutes ago. <laughs> so I've freshened up. And We're back at it. We're back at it. There yeah. you go. Any social media that you didn't talk about last week? Or not social media, but just media in general? Well, since then, I would have... I when this comes out, I will have finished the office. Yeah, from beginning to end, it's been quite the journey. So proud. Yeah. Um, I also remembered after we went over media that I finally finished uh, that Wolverine podcast. Oh yeah, that I started. It was really good. Left off with like a definitely going to be an, a continu- continuation of, of it. Um, but yeah, really good. Loved it. Yeah, and then the weekend that we're last weekend, since we are recording this now, um, I went with Nick and Danny and Lizzie, and we saw uh, the Nutcracker mm. ballet in a local ballet theater. It wasn't like like really low budget; it was like high end ballet, but it wasn't like downtown in like a nice theater. It was more like local to the Bay Area, but it was actually high end. Didn't, didn't you sort say of? It was yeah. like a teenager. I thought. That, that you went was to in it, but there was also like four, um, what's it called, where they hired them and they gave them uh, residency for the show. Oh, yeah. I don't know what you would call that, but it, it sounds impressive. In the booklet, it's called like something residency ballet artist, and like most of those dancers were have been in ballet since like age seven. Wow. They went to like school some foreign country that are like schools for ballet and their red, their resumes are like insane. Dang. Um, I'm but like impressed. it was still, it's still like a song you do every year. It's, I forgot what it's a local thing around here in the Bay area where it's like a ballet, um, group. And so it's like I said, it's, it's kind of like off Broadway or off, off Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. The seating is not as much, but it was still like professional ballet, probably a great, great place. If you want to, if people want to do ballet, like, the one teen that we went that they knew, mm-hmm. um, it's probably in a good place doing it there. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't even know we had something like that around here. Me neither. That's really I cool. I've never seen ballet, and so that was just a great first experience. Mm-hmm. I love ballet. Neither have I. It's beautiful. Really, <laughs> that's that's really cool. I mean, like I've never really seen it, and you always get like this portrayal of like ballet is only for girls. Yeah. So I, I know. Yeah. And I think that's definitely a stereotype. I thought, so, so you're the first person that I've said, like, I love ballet. And, like, that's kind of what I was thinking. He would be like, oh, like, you actually like it. But everyone I've been telling has either been surprised I haven't seen ballet or just been like, well, yeah, ballet is awesome. Like, well, I just thought because of the stereotypes, yeah. that it wasn't something I would like. And it's awesome. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, <laughs> I was like shocked. That I like. It. I was like, okay, this has been awesome. There you go. Now, now you know. Uh, what about you? Have you anything you? I know you said you've been in taking a lot last time. So yeah. What did you not speak into? Um. Well, to be honest, I'll 
probably mention a few, but then continue saving more because I got to uh, rack these up while I can. But yeah. um, I finally went back and watched the final Insidious movie, mm. Insidious The Last Key. So that's a horror movie. So if you're into horror movies, Insidious is is a weird series, uh, but also a pretty cool series. So I enjoyed it. It was kind of the closing chapter to the whole thing. Um, and then the TV show, The Last Kingdom, just came out with their third season. So I just binged like the, the whole whole season in like two nights. Um, but that's an awesome show. Really big fan of that. Uh, adult content on that one, so be careful. Uh, but it, it, it is, that's more of like first season stuff. Mm-hmm. So third season, don't really have to worry about that. Um, but then last night, I actually just finished the sixth book of the Chronicles of Narnia series. Oh, nice. So that's the the silver chair. Yeah. So I'm kind of just knocking out a whole bunch of stuff. And then you mentioned podcasts. So I've just gotten back into listening to podcasts again. I think I've mentioned it on here before. I'm so behind. Yeah. I usually listen to my car. And right now I sit on my car. And so... I just like keep downloading podcasts that I'm like ones I download usually weekly and listen to and mm. just download them and not listen to them. So like my list is just growing. Yeah. My, my biggest problem with podcasts is I don't have a lot of storage on my, my phone. Mm-hmm. So when they auto download, it crashes my phone. Oh, you use auto download? Yeah. Oh. And so when I listen, I have to like listen to every episode in order to delete the content Mm -hmm. so that i still have room on my phone so once i start listening i listen to a ton so i've listened to uh father mike schmitz so his homilies from umd i think i listened to like 60 episodes and then i think i'm at like 30 some episodes of bishop baron's uh word on fire show Mm -hmm. and i think about 60 or 70 of his word on fire homilies Mm -hmm. And I've been listening to the episodes that uh, you and Steve put out. Mm-hmm. So I've just been crushing, but it helps because I've been on like traveling a lot. And so right. I listen to it on the airplane and in cars and stuff. So uh, that's been really good. Those are all awesome shows for um, kind of spiritual growth and, and uh, learning new things. So I love listening to Bishop Barron. He's, he's my fave. Watch anything else? Uh, oh yeah, I did actually. <laughs> Thanks for setting me up. Uh, so I actually went and watched the newest Nutcracker, uh, movie. Weird. Why? Uh, because you told me that you went to the ballet and I'm like, oh, ballet sounds cool. And then you're like, we're going to do a podcast on it. And so I went and watched the Nutcracker, which I didn't think it was going to have any ballet in it because it was a movie, but it did. Good for them. So it, it was more of like we're at a dance and everyone there is kind of just, well, it's not like explicit ballet, but it's very ballet-esque dancing. So, yeah. Uh, so we'll just dive in. I do want to speak into the Nutcracker, but also just ballet uh, for the record. Nick who I saw the ballet with, like, literally spoke my mind on a lot of what I want to speak into. 
Um, but I didn't think it could completely fill an entire podcast. And he kind of was like, you could have me on. So don't be mad, Nick, that we're covering this. It's just because it makes sense for the Christmas season to try to get it out of here. Um, but if anybody wants to speak more into this topic, find Nick and talk his ear off because he would love to talk about it. Um, but I saw the ballet and the first thing I want to talk about is ballet, like regardless of the Nutcracker and its themes, but, um, ballet, like I said, never seen it before. And I, I immediately, I noticed and Nick notices too, that I think it's, it's an idea that it's girls would like it. It's for girls because of the roles on the stage. Mm -hmm. It's very much the women are in the spotlight. And so it was pretty even with men and women, but predominantly women, but it was pretty even. And yet when there was like a duet, um, there was a lot of those solos between a man and a woman. The man was always behind the woman. She was in front. Uh, when they finished and they went up to take their applause for that, that he would just escort her up to the front. She would bow, take the applause, and then he would escort her off. He didn't really like, he got the applause too, and they weren't just applauding for her, but he was like, she's the one that should be receiving all this. And on top of that, it was like he wasn't there to help her because she was talented in her own. The women had this talent, but he was there to enhance mm -hmm. her talent. Uh, yeah. He would lift her up and be an extension of, or he would keep her spinning if she started the spinning he would spend keep spinning her so he would almost have to like create movement and force movement mm. um or he would make sure that she was safe so if she's doing something he wouldn't really touch her but he'd be spotting her in a sense to be like i'm not i don't expect you something bad to happen but just in case i'm here for you and it was this beautiful imagery of man woman the body and a lot of stuff that i know you love to talk about mm-hmm and so that's kind of really all I have on what I, I, I love, love from ballet, but something I think would be a great podcast. So what do you have to speak into any of that? <laughs> uh, yeah. So the first thing I thought of as you were talking about this actually is I don't know anything about ballet other than that's like portrayed in like movies, which is usually just like uh, parents going to see like their little daughter learning ballet mm. and nothing more than that. Um, but my first thought, was the lifting up. Um, and as you were kind of talking about the, the male as the supporting role, I thought a lot about um, the the character's uh, like beauty, I, I think, is, is a very important part of ballet. Not just the, the beauty of, of the person itself, but the beauty of the dance, mm -hmm. right? So uh, I looked this up. I don't actually know this, but the ballet was kind of invented in the Renaissance era right and so it's all about like portrayal of this grand beauty and like art right and i think the recognition of that beauty um and lifting that up uh it's almost like um like this this offering you know like one it's lifting it up to god right as this is a beauty that we're offering to you i've talked about this before i think dance is definitely a, a form of worship when done properly right uh when we are able to use our talents 
and offer that as back to God, that that can be worship when, when done well. And so I think in the first sense, it's using our bodies and using the, the talents that we've been given to worship. On another sense, we see this role, as you were talking about, of the man kind of uh, playing this supporting figure. Uh, I think that's awesome. Um, and lifting up the the dignity of the woman in that. And I think that's something that, unfortunately, we fail a lot as men uh, in modern society and really throughout history. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've just done a really awful job. Yeah. You know, and I think maybe that's, and I'm just kind of going out of nowhere here. Right. I think maybe that's part of the reason why we love the ballet so much is because it is this idea that we as men are supposed to recognize the beauty and the dignity of the woman and to lift that up and to step aside to just, just like in, uh, in marriage, the right. reason why a man wears black at the marriage is because black is a symbol of death. And in our marriage, we're supposed to die to ourselves so we can lift up our right. spouse. Yeah. No, totally. So we we wear black. We signify our death. And it's kind of like you were talking about the bow, right? Uh, yes, I was here. But did you see my wife? Did you well, see my partner? It's literally on stage. They become one person. Yeah. And she is that person, and he is this extension of this that person. They, there are solos where the same man came out and danced by himself, the same woman came out and danced by herself, but there was just something greater when they were together and mm-hmm. soloed and like moves they could not do if they were by themselves. Right, things they could not reach or like accomplish, and it was just there. There's still even him as a supporting role. He, she doesn't not need him. Mm. And he can't really do things fully without her as well. And and to speak into that, because I know some hesitance would be like, what about people that don't get married or about priests? It goes into the bride and the bridegroom. Mm. You know, Jesus Christ being our bridegroom and us being the church. And so it's not only male and female figures we're getting here in this picture of ballet, but this dance of our relationship with Christ. Mm. And that he is lifting us up. Yeah. And we are, he is our support and he is the one moving us. Mm. And so if we picture the male being now Jesus and us being the female on the stage, yeah. it changes the whole picture entirely. Yeah. yeah. And, th- and that's a very, very real aspect of our faith that I think we forget about a lot of the times. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's really beautiful. And something with, especially our generation, I've, I've noticed and, a lot of research I think supports this people our age aren't getting married. Uh, some studies I've seen are showing that most people our age would prefer to get a dog than to get married or have kids, mm-hmm. which is is really sad. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love dogs, right? Yeah. Love dogs. Crazy about dogs. Uh, we got some adorable beagles. If you want to see an, uh, a fantastic dog, check out a silver beagle, right? Got one of those at my mom's house. They're super cool. I was like, why haven't I seen this? Yeah. No, they're so cool. So that's my little little puppy. He's actually probably like four years now. Actually, no, my mom texted me a picture this morning. It says four year fourth birthday today. Hey. So happy birthday to Zeus, my silver beagle. Uh 
but anyway, that's completely random. Sorry. Uh, so what I was talking about is a lot of people would prefer dogs or pets over actually having like this, this human relationship, right? This commitment and going off of what you're saying about the solos, the man can go on and do a solo and it's beautiful and it's great. And it's a good thing. The woman can come on and do a solo and it's beautiful and it's great and it's good. But when they come on together, they can do things that were not possible before. And they're, they're more beautiful. They're, they're more complete. And as we get into this, uh, we see going, going back to marriage, the man and the woman, uh, are not just a reflection of themselves, but they're a reflection of the Trinity, right? So in marriage, we have the man, which is the, the father. So in, in the Trinity, we have the father who is the giver of love. Mm-hmm. We have the son who is the receiver of love. And we have the Holy Spirit, which is the love that is exchanged. Right? So love always needs three things. Someone to give it, someone to receive it, and the love itself. And so we see that reflected. The best way that we can reflect that is through marriage. Why? We have the man who is the giver. We see that resembled through our very bodies as men. We are givers. We have the woman who is the receiver who takes everything that she receives and multiplies it into something greater. And that's the way that their bodies are made and the way that our personalities are a lot of the times too. Uh, For example, I, I always like to talk about this when I'm talking about theology of the body. Moms love to bring people in. Like if, if my mom could have the myself and my brothers come home and just be there, that is like the greatest thing for her. Right. And I think that's a very mom thing to do. Even if it's not like your family, they just like to bring people in right? to receive, to, to take something that is divided and to bring together. Uh, and that's a, that's a beautiful thing. So we have the man who's giving the woman who's receiving and then from that exchange of love comes a third, which is the Holy Spirit or in marriage, which is a child, mm-hmm. right? And so we see that through this connection, through this cooperation, we have something that is more beautiful, more complete, more more divine, really. Yeah. And so I have no idea where you were hoping me to go with this, but no, that just, is very... I know uh, you had more on TOB than, than I, I naturally do. Yeah. So I love theology of the body. Uh, I somehow, when I came to this parish, I think it was like the first week I was there, I was designated as the theology of the body guy. So they put me in charge of a theology of the body retreat. Never even asked me if I knew theology of the body. (laughs) (laughs) And fortunately I, I do. It's one of my passions, but I've kind of just been the TOB guy right. ever since. All right, right. So it's cool. Yeah. And then with within all that, we have this story. So another thing about ballet, which if it's like interpret interpretive dance or um I mean a, a lot of dance can do this, but there's this different some st- dance tells more of a story than others. And that's another beauty with ballet is it's basically theater on staged with dance 
And that's another thing that I, I thought was really interesting was like even during the most powerful, aggressive moments of ballet where like this, the music could be like harsh or like there's a fight going on. Mm-hmm. The dance is still very peaceful and soft and like it's still like that that kind of movement. Right. Um, and so there's this peace and stillness to the chaos that might be going on stage, but it's also telling this beautiful story. Yeah. And so the story that we'll be speaking into is this Christmas story that's come to light every Christmas, the Nutcracker, mm-hmm. which is what I saw. And so I was curious watching the Nutcracker of like, where do the Nutcrackers come from? Because that was like something Lizzie asked. And so Nutcrackers are a German uh, device for exactly what they're named for to crack Cracking like nuts. walnuts and peanuts. Well, not, I don't know what to crack peanuts, but whatever. Nuts have shells. I would crack that. Now they <laughs> hardly do that now. But another thing is they were fashioned in certain designs to ward off evil spirits. Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So another thing is uh, German lore is weird, especially around Christmas time, especially hey. if you've seen The Office. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> all that is true. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's just they have weird lore, but they're they're big on like evil and like good. Yeah. And spirits and stuff and so nutcrackers were to be put around to yeah do that stuff a a lot of our christmas traditions come from Mm -hmm. german traditions though Mm -hmm. um so i am very german so traditions are weird be careful all right uh but i i do want to point out that my my aunt uh her name is kathy and she has like hundreds of of nutcrackers my grandma also all around her house really nutcrackers yeah they would be good friends yeah uh so many i i used to be terrified <laughs> as a kid when uh i went to like her apartment and there would just be nutcrackers everywhere it's like it's like they're watching me like some of them are like at that age they were like the size of me mm-hmm. and i was just like holy cow this is not this is scary mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like this but yeah that was random that's okay but the nutcracker is a book first yeah it's a story i didn't know that by eta hoffman that was turned into a two-part ballet by peter tachovsky that's how you say his name um he's so the one that russian guy yeah he's the one that made all the tunes that you know like the dance of sugar plum fairy sugar plum fairies and the songs from like fantasia mm-hmm. if you know those um and so the story is about a girl named clara mm-hmm and then she has a brother named Fritz, and basically it's Christmas time. Yeah, they have a big party. The family comes over, and during this time, this man enters the room, who is kind of creepy at first, and then everyone realizes, oh, it's just he goes by the name Drosselmeyer. Mm-hmm. And you find out, well, you you only know in the in the ballet because there's no speaking in the ballet. It's right, all dance, but in the book, it's her godfather or grandfather grandfather i think and he's a toy maker slash magician slash like councilman for the for the town yeah he's Um, a big deal and so he brought all these toys and during the ballet it's one of the scenes where it's i don't know if you've ever seen like chitty chitty bang bang or anything but it's like where the people are like the toys that are dancing and so there's different toys and as they're putting them away the kids are getting sad like no don't put the toys away because he's he's a magician slash toy maker so he made like these really cool magical toys and so he brings out one last toy, which is the Nutcracker, and he mm. gives it to Clara. Um, and the different variations of this, 
her name sometimes Clara is like a doll that she carries around. Sometimes she goes by Marie. So it's all been changed yeah, in multiple I, different variations. I did notice that too. Um, and she's playing with the Nutcracker, and her brother breaks it, and then he he fixes it, and then the party is done, and she goes to sleep, and as she goes to sleep, the clock strikes twelve, and she wakes up from that, and she sees her grandfather on the clock. It was like it was like an owl that turned into her grandfather, and then giant rats wait that's the owl yeah the owl is docile my oh my gosh i didn't put that together i haven't seen the new movie so we can kind of touch any things together okay but um and then all of a sudden rats like she's shrunken down to size in certain versions in the ballet they can't do that so all of a sudden rats are running around um the nutcracker comes to life and he has soldiers there's a king rat and then there's a battle. Battle breaks loose. Pretty much the rats are winning until Clara kind of distracts the rat so that the Nutcracker wins. And then once they win, that's the end of part one of the ballet or the first half of the story. Hmm. The second part opens up when they make it to the land of, land of the sweets, which is this, the kingdom. And they go and we notice that the sugar plum fairy is the one reigning over the kingdom the nutcracker oh well something else happens before the end of part one is the nutcracker turns back into a real prince he was like a live nutcracker in real size and then after he killed the rat king he becomes a real person and he's hmm. a prince again so they're walking this new kingdom part two is the land of the sweets the sugar plum fairy reigns over she hears that they won and so like the new prince and then clara kind of the new princess sit down and they have a whole bunch they have a bunch of party they have like the old dance of uh the sugar plums and the russians and the chinese and different like races and candies dance for them and then they part ways when they learn that she has to say goodbye and go back to the real world and that's the end of the ballet and the story um so i'm sure there's a lot more in the new movie very different yeah (laughs) yeah like not even the same story I imagine because the book is short and the ballet is not that long. So to make a full length movie, they just took the characters and probably created a new story. So, well, the first thing I want to point out that's different is in the movie, Clara is the main character and her mother is named Marie and Marie was the queen of all four realms. Uh, Yeah. But then dies. And when she passes away, she gives uh, like access to this kingdom to Clara. And so Clara is like brought into this kingdom uh, to find a key. And so she's like this princess that she inherited the kingdom kind of. But yeah, so it's, it's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, cool story. <laughs> I don't really have a lot on this classic take of the Nutcracker, mm-hmm. except that we see this idea of celebration when it comes to the season of Christmas mm-hmm. throughout kind of beginning to end, mostly in the beginning with the party and the family, but even like when the end where they have like this celebration for the Nutcracker and Clara and they're dancing for them. But there's, it's this idea that this season is something that like Chris talked into last night at RE. This isn't a season of Advent and going into Christmas isn't a penitential season. We have 
like penance services and stuff because it's the preparation for this party. But this idea that it's a joyful season and that it is something to to celebrate mm-hmm. and that we we celebrate this um, at Christmas. So that's like something you see kind of throughout. It's with the music. It's kind of uplifting. It's and then the ballet that we just were previously talking about, like being lifted up. It's this idea and this message we're getting across of this lifting up and this joyful celebration. Um, and then family is another thing that we see right away, which kind of talked into a little bit last podcast last week. And, but then even more so after the first act ended, because unless you're watching a movie, like there are movies of the Nutcracker where you see her like shrink down, all of a sudden she lays down on the couch and then like rats are on stage and there's no cohesiveness to what happened. And so I remember part one ended and I looked over to Lizzie and I was like, the guy that created this must have been on drugs because <laughs> this, it just, it's like a normal Christmas party. And then she's like in this weird world. <laughs> and so there's a sense of magic and yeah. surreal that we get from the Nutcracker. Um, and that's kind of like the three themes I got from just that one. Yeah. So first I'll touch on kind of the magic uh, because that was one of the themes that I want to talk about too. Obviously the the movie is, is actually quite different than, than the ballet it sounds like but the main theme of magic is something that we see in so many different stories you know in a lot of my favorite stories and i think that tells us something about our desires as humans that we're always fascinated with magic yeah and i think there's a reason for that and looking at what magic is it's something that is unexplainable, something that is uh, beyond comprehension, something mm-hmm. that um, is is beyond our senses, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that can be twisted, but I also think that, that like getting to the root of what those things are, are, something that's beyond our senses, something that's beyond our comprehension, it's drawing us back to God, right? God is beyond our senses. He is this this not supreme being, he's a being itself. He is so much more than we could possibly fathom as an eternal being. We as finite humans cannot comprehend him. We cannot grasp him. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what our fascination with magic is. It's something that we can't explain. It's the Tesseract. It's the Tesseract. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like that as as a really big theme. Uh, one thing uh, I, I do like the the whole Advent um, prep uh, being a season of joy. I do think there is an aspect of uh, penance within it, but there that is. that penance has to be a preparation for the joy. Correct. Whereas Lent is more of a penitential season where. We're being repentant, re- repentant. It is still preparation for the resurrection of Christ. Right. But it's more of like understanding our own brokenness in the desert. Yeah. And like, you know, in, in the church, it's bare during that season. Whereas in the mm-hmm. church right now, it's still full of green and there's candles and there's colors. And we're like more, we're feeling it more and more each week with the coming of the Magi and the, the coming of the shepherds. Yeah. With, with hope. Right. right. So it's, it's a, it's a season of some penance which ends with hope and joy whereas in uh 
Lent, we have a season of penance, which ends with the crucifixion, crucifixion and followed <laughs> that by the joy. Right. Uh, so it's it's a little bit different. Uh, and speaking of the green, that's actually another German tradition. Okay. Which uh, we use evergreen trees as Christmas trees to remind us that spring is coming, mm. because winter. Uh, thinking from uh, like a, uh, I guess a farmer perspective or whatever everything's dead especially in germany like there's not a whole lot of anything except for the evergreen trees right you're probably not growing anything if you're a farmer it's off season right so thinking from a harvest perspective winter is awful winter is a place of death because you have less food you are super cold i don't know if you've ever been to north germany in the winter uh, <laughs> it gets cold. And especially if you don't have heating like we do today, people die. Winter in, in those times were awful. And so these evergreen trees were, well, first off, Christmas is on the, it's supposed to be uh, the shortest day of the year, right? The winter solstice or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's the shortest, the darkest day of the year. And so this green is a reminder that in this darkness, in this winter of death, green is coming. This life is coming. And so it, it's even still, it's this feeling of, of hope, mm-hmm. like we were talking about. So yes, we're amongst this death. Yes, we're amongst this, this penitential uh, time, but there's still hope. There's oh, yeah. still this life. There's still all of these things. And that's actually why we have Christmas lights, too. We have Christmas lights to remind us that the light of the world is still present, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I was. Um, I just started getting back into the Office of Hours, Liturgy of Hours. Oh, I love it. Um, I yeah, I I'm doing kind of for Advent again, and hopefully it'll stick because I was into it and I stopped doing it, and I'm trying to do it again. And I was reading the Office of the off the Divine Office yesterday is what I prayed with, mm-hmm. and the reflection was from an abbot who was talking about the season of Advent, and we usually talk about. You know, we usually speak into around this time how Advent isn't just the coming of Christ being born, but the second coming. Mm. But he, he spoke into how at the Advent season, is, are, there's three comings. And that it was the coming of Christ when he was born here and on earth, the one we're in now, and then the second coming. Mm-hmm. And that, and I just loved, you know, that description because it, it really calls us to action. And like that we're not just preparing for the second coming, but right now Jesus is still present in yeah. a way and we yeah. rest in him and we, we, we run to him. Um, and it kind of speaks back into our previous podcast last week where like, you know, without God, without love, without recognizing this, his coming and in, in our lives now, the tree bears no fruit. Right. And so since we're talking about Advent so much, this, well, yesterday actually, uh, we had our middle school edge night for our youth ministry. And the topic was uh, hope, but specifically we as the church, right? So a church isn't just a place, it's it's a people and that's us, mm-hmm. right? So if the church is supposed to be hopeful during Advent, what does that mean for us? And so we talked a lot about how Advent is this period of active waiting, and so, yes, we're waiting. Yes, we're hopeful. But it's not like you're sitting around and then Christmas Day, boom, like, ah, Jesus is here, right? It's, he's present. We are supposed to be waiting, yes, but 
we're active. We're we have that that penitential aspect. We have this period of I need to do something to to myself to prepare myself to receive him in a new way, mm-hmm. right? And so, I mean, one of the examples I talked about is um, if we look at Mary, right? How did Mary prepare for Jesus? Well, how does any uh, new mother prepare for her first child, right? Uh, number one, like if you're a mother, you're no longer drinking alcohol if you did that before, right? You have to live your life differently, right? You are no longer living for yourself. And we should be actively moving that direction as well if we are to have Christ within us, right? And so maybe maybe we do fast and, right. and we eat differently. Right. Maybe it's um, we need to change some aspect of our life to allow Christ to live in us in a, a healthier way, you know, like a baby living inside of his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just this kind of idea of actively awaiting we need to do something we need to uh, prepare ourselves what i always like to say is like if you were ever a kid that had family come over for the holidays what did your mom probably make you do before your family came over? you better clean that room boy what would you do? <laughs> uh yeah you you had to do like the yeah. whole full spring cleaning yeah, yeah, yeah. of the house in like the winter the- <laughs> yeah. for sure it's that's kind of what this season is. It's like we've got to make sure these Clean that weeks room. are cleaning the house. Yeah. So because people are coming over. Yeah. Jesus is coming. And not only this one way, but now and then once again later on. Um one other thing I wanted to talk about was in researching this topic, because I was like, okay, got ballet, got nutcracker, but I don't know how much time we're gonna be able to talk. Is there is a spin-off story of the nutcracker called the toy maker's apprentice that in the research i started like reading it i didn't like read the book because it's i don't have it but i started like reading what it was about and i was like oh yeah i'm running with this and so it's this story is about a character named stefan drosselmeyer who becomes the apprentice of the toy maker who made the grandfather clock, which the grandfather clock's one, and his name is Christian Dosselmeyer. So I don't know, because we never are given a first name ever in the book of, who of Nutcracker or the ballet. So I don't know if this is a prequel or a post story okay. where this is Christian could be the father of the Dosselmeyer we know in the Nutcracker and he, the Dosselmeyer we know now was, was the apprentice, or if later on he hired an apprentice. It's It sounds like probably a prequel i would think based on the rest of the story i think it's a prequel too and because you said the grandfather clock and that's where we saw drosselmeyer right in the okay yep right and also because the story takes place where we find out that the rats are underground of this city and that because of the pride that christian the toy maker because of the pride that christian the toy maker carries he's caused this divide and this anger with the rats beneath town. And so he hires Stefan, the main kind of main character to be his new apprentice to search for this magical item. I don't know the story that well, um, that probably could not exist while the rats are about to cause war. And so it's a three part story where the war breaks out at the end. 
and you follow Stefan, and you also follow Ernest List, who is a rat who works for, there's like a seven-headed prince, princess, queen, who's like super evil rat. And it just changed the perspective of the Nutcracker. It gives more light into this story on like a deeper level. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about was perspective because we only get the, we only get like Clara's perspective of the story, which I think is why it's so weird Mm. and magical. But this story humanizes everything because there's one quote. I only got a few quotes, but there's one quote. And this is when you're following Ernst, who's the rat. And he is brought up to kind of like be with the queen And it says, trembling like a newborn princess, Ernst bent over in the awkward bow, chilled to the bone. The mouselings were not the monstrosities he imagined after all. The real monster was the one who had made them. So you realize like these mice are out of place and like they're not really evil, but they're created to be evil. And like he's there's it reminds me of like Thanos in Infinity War, where it's mm. like there's scenes that kind of humanized this um, this evil character. And I was watching this the other day where it's like he's the only character that was humanized that way. Every other Marvel villain, villain leading up to him, like something happened and they just didn't care. Their face didn't care. But when he asked Loki if he wanted like to give him the key or kill Thor, Loki's like, kill Thor. And you see like shock in Thanos' face. Like... He didn't expect that kind of answer. And so it's like this humanizing because there is good in all and everything. It's just distorted for him. Yeah. Right. Same with the mice. And then. That's actually interesting uh, because looking at the, the movie, I feel like the movie is a combination of the story you're talking about now and the classic Nutcracker and then twisting those into a completely different story. So if you haven't seen the movie and you think we ruined it, this you can go watch the movie because uh, it's <laughs> not. I haven't talked anything at all. Uh, yeah. Some things, but yeah. nothing, nothing major. So one thing from the movie though that I do want to point out is that um, in the first half, we are seeing the movie from Clara's perspective, uh, but we find out that the perspective that she is seeing is largely influenced by certain characters, mm. who in the end turned out to be the evil characters. And so who she thinks is actually the enemy ends up becoming her greatest uh, ally. And so, again, it comes down to this perspective of who, what, what I might see might not be real. And so me perceiving this person as good might be wrong. This perceiving this person as bad might be wrong, right? And so the basically the outward appearance isn't always going to show us who a person is basically what I was trying to get at. Yeah. And, um, essentially this story spoke more into the two part act of the ballet. And so we also see later on, like I said, a battle breaks out and the weapon of choice is a key. There's like a key that he used. I'm guessing you're nodding your head. Like it's in the movie. Yeah. That's like the central thing to kill. This isn't in the Nutcracker. Okay. So it's only like, this is from the Toymaker's Apprentice. But a key is used to kill, and Christian, the Toymaker, kills a rat. And this is the quote it says, mm. 
It's a soul sieve. It's an unwinding key, a rare clockmaker's tool for unmaking. The Brotherhood wouldn't have given it to us if it hadn't been our last hope. The filigreed scrollwork on either side of the key was now darkened with blood. Christian pulled out a handkerchief from his pocket and he wiped the key down, putting it back into the sack. It's a difficult thing, the unmaking of souls. And it adds this idea like now to the scene where the um, the Nutcracker kills the prince, the king. And it adds this idea that like that's not kind of what he wanted to do. Like It adds this depth and grief to the act of killing. Hmm. Um, and so all in all, the three things I kind of was pu- pulling from this was the coming of Christ, the Advent season, through supernatural events, mm-hmm. through the magic is one thing. We kind of already spoke into that. But then the first act of the ballet is the conquering of evil. It's, it's basically the setup and then getting into this world where the battle breaks out with the rats. But the conquering of evil that we just, we just read has this cost. So Jesus, who conquered evil for us, had to die for it. There was a cost to this evil. Mm-hmm. The second act is the second coming of Christ, but not the actual, the third coming. That I, Like I said, there's three parts. The right. second coming we're even now, that we're in the land of the sweets, almost. We're not in the kingdom of God, but mm-hmm. we're in this world that Christ has given us because he conquered evil with this cost and that we need to be careful and not divulge too much in the sweets and start going crazy. We still need to have virtue mm-hmm. and we still need to remember the cost of how we ended up being here, how we're able to live out the acts of the apostles. There was a cost. We can't just forget that and just like go crazy. Yeah. And the, the cost is the blood on the key. Right? The, the, right. But it's the blood of Christ. Right. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of all I had. No, that's that's really good. Um, I think that that's really cool seeing how we have a similar story adapted in three different ways and we can pull from, from each of those. Uh, the, the original classic ballet, the Apprentice one, mm-hmm. and then the movie. Speaking of The, the Apprentice, this is completely random. But this is a shout out to my brother, Dylan. So when we were really, like, really little kids and we would hang out with my grandma, we would watch this super old movie called Babes in Toyland. <laughs> and it's not weird. No, so, I think I know what that is. I just don't remember. Dude, so I think it was probably from, like, the 40s or 50s. Like, this is a super old movie. But basically, I don't even remember the details anymore. But it's basically about, like, these nutcrackers that come to life and there's this big battle and stuff right so i just wanted to say that and give a shout out to my brother and say we should watch that over christmas because (laughs) it's been like probably 15 plus years since we've seen that and we still talk about it all the time so yeah so my challenge to you guys is that with this podcast coming out you will have one more full week before christmas christmas eve holy cow to to spend this next week just maybe it's one day maybe it's three days maybe it's every day just sitting with the idea of the cost like this is the coming of christ as a child is one of those but what does that mean in the full picture of christ 
and the cost that he, you know, he died for us so that we can have this life that we are living now and so that we can have this kingdom and this, this life in heaven later. Mm. Um, and to reflect on that cost and reflect on this beautiful dance that we live in this moment with us in Christ. Um, and to do with that, what, what, what you, what you will like, thank God with that, just sit in that and reflect on it or talk to someone that we can share it with other people. The inheritance of the kingdom. Yeah. And Clara inheriting the kingdom from her mom in the movie. Mm -hmm. I didn't even mention that. And the fact that they're royals yeah. and we are, you get that in the play too. They're, <sighs> they definitely come from wealth. Yeah. Um, and we being right. Sons and daughters of the king are also, yeah. And the fact that when she has to leave, she wakes up and, and it's a toy again. Mm -hmm. So it's like the idea that Christ came, saved us, and then had to go back to the kingdom. So, yeah. And so she had to like go and live on this life afterwards before. Yeah. Man, I love what we do. This is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any shout outs? Uh, yeah. So my brother was right. the one. Right. Um, trying to think oh i do have one so from my trip to philadelphia uh i mentioned this in the adventure video but on my way out there i had a really early flight and i was trying to put in my headphones and go to sleep and this guy started talking to me and i was like i don't want to do this right now it's like five o'clock in the morning and he kept talking to me and he's like why are you going to philly and stuff like that and i started answering his questions and then he asked what do you do for a living and i'm like it's five o'clock in the morning and I'm going to have to defend the church and all this stuff. Cause that's like, he's going to call me a bigot and whatever. And I'm like, do I tell him? Do I not tell him? I told him, I'm like, I, I'm a youth minister. I work for the Catholic church and I just like braced myself. And his response was, that's awesome. I'm actually Catholic too. My wife works for our parish back home. And we spend the next hour and a half talking about youth ministry, talking about the state of the church, talking about just, everything Catholic basically. And I learned quite a few lessons from that. Uh, but his name is Paul. So I want to give a shout out to Paul. Uh, if you're listening, Paul, I appreciate that conversation. And it literally, literally made my weekend. So thank you for challenging me and forcing me to talk on that flight. Cool. Um, my, one of my big shout outs is to the Secfords for taking me to the Malay. Yeah, but I kind of shout out Danny a lot last last week. So Nick, um, just because you had the same vision with after the ballet of this podcast. So shout out to Nick. Um, I'd also like to shout out Lizzie because um, as of when this came out, we finally finished consecrating ourselves to Our Lady Guadalupe. Nice. And I think we're just both really excited about that. Um, and so just shout out to her and like prayers that. Mary's lifting you up and then shout out to my dad, mostly just cause I want you guys to pray for him if you mm -hmm. can. Um, he's st still recovering from surgery. Um, but also like from this recovery, which is not the first surgery he's gone through many, uh, is realizing a lot about getting older. And so just prayers for him and the future. For sure. I, I did forget one. Uh, so a friend from a local parish who's now off in college, but her name is Lori Guerin, I think is how you say her last name. But she is a dancer. That's what oh. that's what she does. And I think she does ballet a lot too. So shout out to Lori. I don't know if you even listen to this, 
but I think you do. So yeah. shout out. I Keep should, on dancing. I should shout out the teen that was in the play. Yeah. But I don't know his name. Oh, shout out to teen from Mary Queen. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know you probably don't listen to this either, but... Yeah, you never know. You inspired us. You done good, kid. You done good. <laughs> With that, we are going to sign off. Uh, so thank you guys for joining us this week. Uh, before we do get out of here, though, Disney December. Disney December. Guys, you're running out of time. And we're like halfway through December at this point. So please, please, please go watch Disney movies, Disney TV shows, Disney songs. You're on break. You have time. Yeah, you, you do. You don't have to rewatch them. If you already know a lot about a show or a movie and you want to just tell us, I already know this theme. Yeah, just do it. We want, it. we want you to find Christ or Christianity or anything Christian themed in Disney things. It could be a sentence on our Facebook page that says this thing or it could be a 30 second video yeah like hey here you go a quick theme whatever if you want to do an audio fantastic again you can send it to our facebook our twitter our email uh you can is there a way oh you can comment on our youtube i don't care whatever you want to do yeah yeah just send us something we want to see you guys doing the christ and culture thing and uh, letting us know what disney has to offer so Disney December, enjoy it, and please, 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 if you haven't already, subscribe, uh, that's huge, but even more importantly, please review us. If you enjoy this, all you have to do is click the five star, if you want to click a four star, that's okay too, anything else, don't do it, uh, but you have no idea how much that helps us, because that sends what we do to more people based off of your recommendations. Yes. So if you give us a review, if you give us uh, stars, that will send out to tons more people because of your clicking a button. Mm-hmm. So please take half a second, go click the five stars if you appreciate what we do. And with that, thanks for joining us the adventure, guys. We appreciate you, and we'll see you soon. Bye.